Welcome to the Inclusive Growth Show with Toby Milden. Future-proofing your business by creating a diverse workplace. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Inclusive Growth Show. I'm Toby Milden and today I'm joined by Mei Yi Man Oren, who is the Access and Inclusive Environments Lead at Arab. May, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. May, you've got quite an interesting job title. Uh, <laughs> can you let me know a bit more about what you do and how you got into uh, inclusive design for the built environment? Of course, yeah. Um, so I work for Arup. Um, for, for, for those of you who, who aren't familiar with the company, um, it's a large global engineering company, multidisciplinary. Um, and within that, we've got a team that specialises in inclusive design. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But essentially, how, how I got into it, I'll be honest, completely by accident. I finished my uh, university studies. I knew that I was very interested in design, very interested in um, sort of the social impact of that, um, of design and, and the built environment. But I did I wasn't aware of the fact that inclusive design as a as a as a career path as a as a discipline actually existed. Um, so did a bit of work experience at Arup, um, came across uh, the team, and never left. So that, that's how I came into the into the industry. What I do on a sort of on a on a daily basis. Um, so we, we've got a team um, in London. We've got a team in Manchester um, that specialise in inclusive design. And what we do is work with developers, work with architects, work with other people in that realm um, to try to make things much more inclusive and 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 to maximize the opportunities that there are within within how we design to meet the needs of a more diverse population. That's really cool. Can you tell me a bit more about what inclusive design is, what it entails and why it matters particularly? Of course, yeah. Um, so inclusive design, essentially, it's, it's design that is good for everyone. It's, it's recognizing the fact that we've got a very diverse set of needs across um, across our communities. It's recognizing the fact that people will have different preferences, have different requirements, um, and have different needs in, in terms of the built environment and how people actually use and experience the space. And so by designing in a way that thinks about the user needs and thinks about flexibility um, and, and choice for, for individuals within, within our communities, we're able to create spaces that people People are able to use much more independently um, and that people are able to use in a in a much more equitable way as well, not just from a spatial and a physical perspective, but also in terms of how it actually makes them feel and the experience um, behind it. So inclusive design presumably has been a, a discipline that's been around for, for a while now, but why, why is it important that, you know, right now in, in the 2020s? Yeah. Um, so I think I think there's a there's a couple of things really. I think um, you know there, there's the moral duty that we we have, and and the fact that you know actually this is something that is the right thing to do. It's something that we as designers, as service providers, as you know anyone who is um, interacting with anyone else, um, you know, is it's is something that we should be doing. Um, there's a need for it as well in in relation to all the changes that are happening within within our um, within our world. So, from a in terms of thinking, if we think about sort of the demographic changes that are happening, people are living 
for longer, working for longer, body shapes and sizes are changing. Um, there's the technology changes as well and the fact that actually there's a lot more that needs to interface with technology when it comes to the built environment and how that can help help people experience of the built space as well and then there's the environmental side of things as well climate change um, and again how that impacts on um, on things like active travel trying to encourage people to use more sustainable means of transport and the only way that we can start to address some of those challenges is to really think about who we're designing for and make sure that it's fit for purpose that's cool i mean that's quite a broad set of parameters that you need to bear in mind in order to design inclusively uh, what are some of the other future trends that you're that you're seeing on the horizon so i think yeah yeah that there's um i mentioned obviously the the aging population um and the changing body shapes i think another thing that um you know we're we're um right in the midst of at the moment and that is likely to be um a uh, likely to be something that is carried for, forward much on on a much longer term is um, in terms of sort of hygiene, in terms of health, and in terms of um, sort of pandemics as well. You know, obviously we're in the middle of COVID nineteen um, and the responses um, in relation to that. But going forward, again, there, there's a real opportunity there to try and to try and capture what it is that's not working at the moment and, and to really try and readdress those and to, and to design things in a much more equitable way that can make things safer as well for people going forward. So lots of lessons from, from the pandemic at the moment that can be taken forward, I think, going um, to, to create spaces that are uh, much nicer all round. Yeah, so... With, with with the pandemic, what what are you noticing, and what, I suppose what are the lessons that you have learned, and that you want to take forward into future designs? Yeah, um, so we're having a lot of conversations at the moment um, about, um, and and a lot of this, I suppose, is is still um, we're still learning. There's still things that are being tested. That, um, and and I think one of the key things here, really, and and in terms of what we do, is making sure that we do have the opportunity to test and to get the feedback, um, to make sure that it actually works for 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 everyone. But one of the things, one of the topics that we're taught, you know, that we're having lots of discussions about at the moment is the uh, provision of touch-free controls Um, and I think because of the pandemic because of the fact that people are very conscious about touching surfaces this is something which um, a lot of people have just jumped on um, and made made quite quick decisions about okay we'll just minimize the amount of time you know amount of surfaces that people have to touch in terms of lift controls in terms of toilets in terms of everything within the built space but without necessarily i suppose thinking through and um thinking about how that might impact for 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 example the blind and partially uh, partially sighted community um and thinking about how you know without that touch how people are actually able to navigate through the building and to um get the tactile um information that they they've been relying on um in order to in in order to have that equitable experience and i think there's uh, again some some other things that are coming out as well in terms of the active travel that I mentioned before you know lots of uh, lots of new 
new work that's being done to sort of cycle lanes to improve those to and and to increase the opportunity for people to um to to avoid public transport and to avoid um sort of personal vehicles as well but again without necessarily thinking that completely through without thinking about the impact that that might have and how we can start to design those cycle lanes in a much more inclusive way rather than just to repeat things that have been tried uh, you know the, the things that have um that already exist so that's really cool so i know i know that the pandemic has meant that you're you're a very busy team currently <laughs> um but on top of that you you were already working on some really cool projects so can you can you tell us a bit more about some of those those projects that you've been working on of course yeah one of my team members um, is working on an office building um, in central London at the moment. Um, there's lots of really sort of interesting techn- technology sort of interfaces that are, that are being introduced as part of that to help um, enhance user experience, but also just to improve efficiency within the building as well. Um, so things like um, sensors within um, within evacuation cores to actually detect whether or not there's someone there that needs assistance. Um, there are things like uh, well-being measures that are being introduced or, or that are being discussed anyway uh, as well where um, if you're sitting at your desk for too long then um, it might encourage you to or remind you that you might need to take a take a short break so the, there are things that that are being introduced that again have that interface with technology and and how and and start to explore how technology can help to improve the health and the well-being of of occupants within a building there's a project that we're working on at the moment and, and apologies a few of these are confidential which is why I'm a bit sort of not not mentioning exactly where they are um, or what, what who the client are um, but we are working on a project at the moment with a retailer looking at how they can improve the the experience both from the staff perspective as well as from from the uh, customer side as well um and again within that project we're looking at things where well, one one of the key things that that we did for that project was to actually engage with with users from both sides and to really find out what the key challenges are. Um, and one of the things that we're looking at in relation to that project is is very much about the um, sort of sensory experience, thinking about lighting, thinking about acoustics, thinking about how we can start to use some of those sort of less tangible things, I suppose, um, to to shape the space that the that that people are using and to start start to make that a lot more intuitive and a lot more friendly for people and i think that's quite a nice one whenever people sort of hear about what we do um there there are sometimes assumptions that you know access and inclusion means well you kind of put in ramps you put in lifts and that's what you do for your job right (laughs) um but actually i I think uh, again that that particular project the retailer project um it's a really nice example of how actually it's all encompassing everything about that space and everything that makes up that space will have an impact on people and how they experience it so in effect it's it's real inclusion um but also Mm -hmm. looking into intersectionality as well because this is one of the challenges i have with when I, with, when I talk to organizations that when they talk about diversity, they think in a very siloed way um, and mm, almost, almost in a hierarchical way as well. They have their kind of gender agenda laid out yeah. um, and they say, okay, right now we're focusing on gender. 
then next year it's yep. ethnicity the year after that it's lgbt we may yep. eventually get around to doing something about disability mm-hmm. and uh, then i talked to them about intersectionality that somebody somebody mm-hmm. can tick several boxes if you like exactly you like. um so you mentioned earlier about the uh, i suppose the moral business case for inclusive design mm-hmm. do any of your clients talk to you about what their return on investment is going to be or i suppose they the economic results that they would expect to see um and if so what what do you talk to them about so so yeah the, the, there's a few things i suppose that come out which uh, which kind of relate to uh, that economics sort of side of of inclusion there there's the sort of the productivity, the health and the sort of happiness of the individuals that are working within a particular space or occupying a, t- a particular space. And there's the, um, you know, the, the fact that sort of longer term, you know, people will, if you design something to be healthy, then there will be more return in 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 the sense that people won't be taking sick days people won't be you know won't be uh, that there, there won't be sort of work related injuries um there won't be you know it's improving improving the well-being of of uh, of the occupants and um having a longer lasting um impact from from that sense um there's the sort of economic impact in in the sense of being able to so so if we design things well um then actually there is um there is less likelihood less risk of needing to retrofit things later on if we design things flexibly then again it, it allows that adaptation to happen within a within a building without having to to undergo sort of major refurbishment major works um which again will be much more costly if if uh, if, if it's not considered from the beginning in addition to the sort of physical costs of of obviously the materials and the refurbishment as well there's also obviously the disruption that that will cause um going forward as well if people are having to shut down parts of the building or parts of the space in order to make those adjustments um and there's also the uh, obviously the the time that's wasted as well and 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 the 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 people costs associated with that that's really cool um so you know one of the things that i talk to my clients about in terms of the uh, return on investment that they should expect from diversity and inclusion is inclusive growth now Mm. growth can mean different things to different people so i've worked with a retailer who just want to sell more tvs um, and then I've worked with a police force who want better policing outcomes and better relationships with their community. So from your perspective and the work that you do, what, what does inclusive growth mean for you? So I think that it's a couple of things, actually. So, so the first one I would say is very much about the team, um, making sure that in terms of who's actually feeding into that design in the first place um both the both the people that are on the design team as well as people that are being engaged with um from the from the wider community and from the end users making sure that that is diverse and making sure that we are listening to a wide range of um wide range of voices in order to feed into that um and from that then the solutions and the designs that we create should hopefully um be be inclusive 
and uh, be be suitable for the purpose that they're intended. Um, and so I think inclusive growth for me encapsulates both of that. It's it's about growing as organisations, growing as communities together, and 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 again, sort of bringing in the different voices that that make up those communities, and also thinking about integrating the different parts of the design team in order that in order that the the solution is truly inclusive that's really cool well thanks may um thank you for joining me on today's episode of the inclusive grow show uh, if the person listening to this episode wants to learn more about the work that you do and inclusive design how how should they get in touch with you um, so we've got a, a team page on Arab.com um, that you can that you can go to. Um, our contact details are on there. Um, you'll you'll be able to get into in touch with the team um, uh, through that. So uh, would be really happy to to speak to anyone if there's any particular queries or, or further discussions that um, that people would like to have. Brilliant. And um, the the link to your website is rather long. So there is a uh, a link to your team page in the description of this uh, podcast interview if, if anyone wants to get in touch with you. Um, May, thank you ever so much for joining me on today's episode. Um, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Inclusive Growth Show with May. Um, I hope you found my conversation with May interesting uh, with respect to uh, the importance of inclusive design and the, the necessity to get it right uh, in order to avoid any costly mistakes on your on your project. Um, thank you for tuning in. And uh, if you know anybody who's interested in the topic of inclusive design, please do share this episode with them. Um, until then, I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Inclusive Growth Show. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to the Inclusive Growth Show. For further information and resources from Toby and his team, head on over to our website at milden.co.uk.